Hey, I'm Nathan Jones, one of the pastors at Parkview, and thanks for checking out Parkview On The Go. If this is your first time joining us, there's something I want you to know. No matter what your background is, whether you've been in church for a long time or you're just uh, checking it out for the first time, no matter how far away from God you feel like you are, the time we're spending together is all about helping you take a step toward God. Because no matter how long we've been following Jesus, God always has a step for us to take. Uh, but before we get rolling, I, I want to remind all of you who typically attend a physical Parkview campus that our next in-person gatherings are happening Sunday, September 27th. Uh, we'll keep gathering together online at parkviewchurch.tv, but we will also be opening our doors for in-person services, which is pretty cool. Uh, for more information about Parkview's in-person gatherings, check out parkviewchurch.com slash in-person. Uh, thanks again for spending time with us today. Enjoy the service. Hey, Parkview, glad to have you with us. Uh, wherever you're watching, in your garage, your pre-Bears game, whatever's happening, we're glad to have you here. And, and uh, I got some good news, okay? Last weekend went so great. Thank you for those of you who showed up and did all the things you were supposed to do. It was so great to be open again, wasn't it? And next weekend, we'll be back in with all our protocols and everything else. Still no kids ministry. We'll still have outside seating. We'll still have all of that stuff for you to be able to do. And then, uh, big announcement, drum roll please. On October 11th, um, we are going to open up, open up, okay? I don't mean like we're not gonna still do the social protocols. I don't mean that we're you know, gonna take off our masks and everybody's gonna dance around, okay? I mean, we're gonna do kids ministry and we're gonna go back to every weekend. Based on what the school systems around us are doing, that's what's been focusing our attention for our kids' ministry. We are going to open up our kids' ministry, still with protocols, just like they would be in schools. We are going to open back up in the auditorium like we have been, but uh, I think the kids' ministry will help. And, and in the auditorium, now we're gonna go back at your campus every week. So uh, I'm just excited that it's starting to feel a little bit more normal. There may be some ups and downs through it all, all along the way, but I can't wait to share with you in a little bit more normal way. And I know you can't wait to put your kids somewhere where they won't bug you. So, you know, because like 2020, I posted this picture, uh, you know, a couple of months ago on my social media, this year quill thing, right? Just take two and sleep until 2021. Some days you just feel like that, don't you? You just want to say, wake me up when this whole thing is over. And if you missed last week, I would really encourage you. We did last week, this week, and next week on the separation of church and hate. I really want you to go back. And what we learned is that that our anger is really not the problem. It's the, it's the smoke detector that's going off, okay? The problem is not the smoke detector. The problem is the detector is detecting smoke. And, and, and anger is the second emotion, okay? It's telling us that something else is happening. And as you look at your anger, whether it's, you know, whatever issue going on, one of the three primary emotions is probably hurt, frustration, or fear. Whatever it is that's leading to your anger is probably hurt, frustration, or fear. So if you're, asked, if you're angry, just ask yourself, well, why am I angry? And it usually points back to, to one of those three things. And, and here's the scripture we used. My dear brothers, take note of this. Remember, we're family. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, okay? That, that's where we're going with this. We're gonna listen, slow to speak, 
or type, <laughs> slow to become angry, okay? Why? Because it's not good for your soul. It's not good for the people around you, okay? It's not good for the world. And I just need to be honest with you right now. I struggled greatly with this sermon today. I kept going back and forth on what I thought God wanted us to study. I mean, I had the ideas, but frankly, I thought this subject, the separation of church and hate, was dead on for our times. I really did. And I thought I split the uprights really well on politics as well as I could last week. And as a church, we're not going to do politics because people on both sides think Jesus is on their side, and I think Jesus is voting for Kanye. But then I got a text from a friend who warning, lovingly warned me that some people think I'm being too political. And I had to think about it. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense because I was trying to do the opposite. But then as I, as I was processing this with our team, um, I think what's happening is that everything is so polarized right now that as soon as I bring anything up, everyone just runs to their corner and tunes me out. You know, If you say, please pass the pepper, you're gonna, somebody's going to say, so you don't like salt? I mean, it's that kind of an environment right now. So I can't talk about any of the issues without people thinking I'm being political. But if I ignore the issues, I'm being clueless. So either way, people are mad. So I thought about just preaching about the Bears this week. You know, I mean, did they win or did Detroit choke? But, but you know, then again, you can't talk about the NFL either. I mean, those guys are in a lose-lose, aren't they? Thank God I passed on that offer the Patriots made for me to replace Tom Brady because I don't know what I'd do for the national anthem. I mean, it's crazy. That's not the way it's got to be. So today, I'm starting our Christmas series. I'm just kidding. Seriously, the sermon will be, will our pets be in heaven? Because that's easy, right? I mean, every, everybody wants it to be a yes, no. I'm really gonna stick to what I'm doing and, and, I'm, and I'm gonna do what God tells me to do because our world is full of hate right now and Christians aren't helping. So I believe God wants me to remind us all, myself included, how to act in this age of outrage, how to separate the church from hate. Because, and this is the very important reason, I believe that Satan is winning right now. So we got to do this. Satan is not stupid. He is using politics and racism and a pandemic to divide us from one another, which not only hurts us, but it totally thwarts the whole reason Jesus came here in the first place, which was to reunite us all back to the love of the good father. You guys that know me know I got a tattoo that says heaven to earth, earth to heaven. That's what we do. And what's getting in the way of that right now is Satan using this division that we have. So buckle up, buttercup, because Jesus had a plan for how this is going to happen. And the way our world's going is not it. My friend Gene Apple said it well. He said, you know, guys, 2,000 years ago, Jesus didn't say, hey, gang, I came to earth and I brought this bag of little fish bumper stickers with me. And if you just stick one of these on the back of your chariot, then people will know you're my disciples. He didn't do that. Nor did he say, hey, I got this bag of WWJD bracelets and I thought it'd be a clever way to let people know that you're my followers. Nor did he say, oh, you know, the world is going to know that you're my disciples based on your moral superiority and your self-righteous indignation. So what I want you to do, disciples, is to work on your sigh of disgust. <sighs> you, you know, every, practice, it, practice the sod with me right now, would you? <sighs> so when someone at work tells you they like a naughty Netflix show, or, or they use a bad word, you can just use the sigh of disgust. 
And when someone promotes a different political candidate or party than you, just use the sod, okay? And then people will know you are my followers. Did Jesus say that? No. Actually, here's what Jesus did say. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. What? If you love one another. But what about if someone is my enemy, Jesus? Well, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How's that going? The Apostle Paul reminded his audiences in Titus 3, at one time we were foolish, hating one another. Paul says hating one another is stupid, okay? You get that? The Apostle John had some things to say about it as well. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. As a matter of fact, he goes on and says, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Pants on fire, you sit on a throne of lies. You're an imposter. You smell like beef and cheese. Followers of Jesus are to be known for love, not hatred. So in the New Testament, the writer Paul makes this point to some friends. He says, as you are followers of Jesus, here's how you should treat each other. Okay, Colossians 3, 5 through 15, if you want to follow along with your phones, here we go. So put to death, put to death, he says, the sinful earthly things lurking within you. He begins by saying that we've all got some bad stuff in us and the goal isn't to hide it and the goal isn't to try to keep it under control. The advice is to kill it, put it to death. And let God put something new inside of you that will come out so that you treat people differently because you used to do these things when your life was a part of the world. But that's not who we are anymore. Before we tasted God's goodness and grace, of course we devour each other and we're ugly and we're hateful because we're following Satan at that point. But now he speaks into our current situation. I know this was 2,000 years ago, but it's our same current situation. And and he spells out a code of ethics for every Christian everywhere. Verse eight, but now, please put these things out of your life. Get rid of them, kill them. What things? Anger, bad temper, doing or saying things to hurt others, and using evil words when you talk. Okay, so basically, get off social media. Can I get a dilly-dilly? Okay, just get off. He says, stop doing and saying whatever you want about a person in any way that you wouldn't do in person just because you're doing it online and you don't really see them. That's what he's saying here. And then he goes on and he says, do not lie to each other. You know how I interpret that today? Stop forwarding stuff that you haven't done fact-checking on. You don't know if it's true or not. Somebody just sent it to you. Stop lying to each other. You have left your old sinful life and the things you did before. So strip that off and kill it. Why? Because you have begun to live a new life in which you are being made new and you're becoming like the one who made you. And this new life brings you to a true knowledge of God. And if you think, oh yeah, that's nice, but PT, we have bigger issues today, bigger divisions, and all that niceness, it doesn't work in our world. (sighs) No. 
They had intense division. They had ethnic barriers in, the, in their world that produced a deep prejudice in their time and racism and classism and sexism like we've never seen. But Paul is talking to the Christians here who came together and found a new identity that superseded all of those other labels and led to a new way of life, the way of love. Paul says, remember who you are and remember your new life in Christ because it will shape, it should shape how you act and especially how you treat other people. He goes on. In the new life, there is no difference between the Republicans and the Democrats. No, he says the Greeks and the Jews, but basically it's the same thing. They had very, very different theologies and very, very different beliefs. He said, there's no difference between those who are circumcised and those who are not circumcised. Okay, Again, those big, deep divides. But Christ is in all believers and Christ is all that is important. You see that? God has chosen you, he says, and made you his holy people. And by the way, kind of throws this in so we don't forget, he loves you. He loves you even when you're mad, even when you say dumb things on the internet, even, even, when, I, even when I am misunderstood because I went too far one way or I went too far the other way. He still loves me. So... You should always clothe yourself with mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other. If someone does wrong to you, forgive that person because the Lord forgave you. Even more than all of this, clothe yourselves in love. Love is what holds you all together in perfect unity. Let the peace that Christ gives control your thinking. Control. It's not self-control. It's Christ control. Because you were called together in one body to have peace. And don't you see this is the problem? We can't treat people like garbage and expect them to take us seriously when you say, Hey, I follow Jesus. I'm a Christian. Do you want to have some of this joy I have? It's not working. And that's the whole point. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? It's in my heart. Didn't you hear me? Are you questioning my joy? I have more joy than you do. Who wants that? So what do we do? Some people tried to trick Jesus with a political question one day and asked him, hey, Jesus, is it right for Jewish people to pay taxes to the Roman government? And the, you know, the deal was, the Jewish surprised me, the Jewish people were tired of the way that it was. They were tired of paying taxes. You know, People are moving to other states and commuting back in again. It was just crazy. So they wanted him to say, don't pay taxes to Caesar because Caesar is evil and you shouldn't support a corrupt government. But of course, that wasn't the answer. Jesus wasn't trying to start a rebellion. So Jesus did the right thing like he always does. And he said, hey, show me a coin. Do you remember the old days when we used to use coins? He said, whose picture is on that coin you carry in your pocket? 
And everybody was like Caesars because, you know, like it wasn't all the presidents on different things. It was Caesar on everything, okay? And, and it was Caesar. <laughs> and Jesus said, okay, so give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Jesus was saying, you are citizens of two different kingdoms. Follow me. You are citizens of two different kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of wherever you live. So fulfill, Jesus is saying, fulfill your spiritual responsibility to God and fulfill your civic responsibility to the government wherever you live. So if you are watching this from the USA or from some other democracy and you have been given the civic responsibility and incredible privilege to vote, then I would encourage you to, to follow Jesus and get on your knees and prayerfully discern for yourself what you believe are the greatest issues of the day and pray for wisdom and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you while you vote. But I challenge you, having said that, that between now and November 3rd, do not forget the primary kingdom to which you belong. Be a follower of Jesus who loves people first and a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian or whatever second. Because what is the greatest command according to Jesus? Love God, right? And the second greatest command is to love your neighbor because we're supposed to be known as people of love, right? We're supposed to love God and love people. Interestingly, as I was thinking through this, did you know there are people from both political parties as, as a part of the disciples of Jesus? Did you know that among the 12 disciples, there was a zealot named Simon? And I don't know if you understand what that means, but the zealots were the people who hated the Roman government and they were illegally and covertly working against the government. And he called also a tax collector named Matthew, right? Who worked for the Roman government. And seriously, I don't think it's much of a stretch that in today's climate, Simon the zealot represented Antifa and Matthew represented a white nationalist. I mean, maybe Matthew was just motivated by money more than politics, but he was still in the Roman camp. And Matthew and Simon were coming into this little band following Jesus from completely different political positions and became one because of their common love for Jesus. So we should be able to do the same thing. Jesus didn't allow political dissension to divide his ranks, and neither will we. I mean, think about it. What if every Christian in America decided between now and November 3rd that I will just love my neighbor as myself? Think how different our nation would feel. Otherwise, how tragic will it be if after the election is over, that guy at work has a problem or that neighbor has a need and they don't invite us into their situation. They, they don't come to us for help because we lost the opportunity for spiritual influence in their life. Listen, on November 3rd, your candidate is either going to win or lose, but God's church is going to win or lose based on how we treat each other between now and then. And that is why this is so important. I was reading a blog post recently and, you know, I, I never do this, but for some reason I got into the comment section 
And the person in the comment section did not do a good job of representing Jesus and, you know, was slamming the blog post. And pretty soon some other Christian, I mean, these are Christian people on a Christian blog. Another Christian jumps in and starts throwing zingers and slinging mud at this guy. And in the comment, as I was reading on down, there was a remark from another reader literally said, wow, you Christians are so stupid. I thought your Jesus was better than that. Your Jesus. I mean, if that's your Jesus, why would he be mine? Let me remind you, bear with each other and forgive each other. And if someone does wrong to you, forgive that person because the Lord forgave you. Don't forget that. And even more than all this, clothe yourself in love. Because love is what holds you together in perfect unity. Let the peace that Christ gives control your thinking because you were all called together in one body to have peace. Who was the writer? The Apostle Paul. Little backstory and I'm done, I promise. The writer is the Apostle Paul who we first meet in Acts chapter seven. In Acts chapter seven, he is not the Apostle Paul. He's this bad guy named Saul who is literally completely on the other side of Christianity. And he's there because Stephen is being stoned for his faith. Because just like Jesus prayed for his attackers, um, Stephen becomes a martyr and prays for his attackers. And among those who killed him was a young man named Saul, uh, who God literally changed into Paul. And he was the one who was inspired to write the words that we read today from the book of Colossians. Why? Because as Stephen was being stoned, he did exactly what Jesus did, and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Basically, that was it. And my question for you is, what if Stephen would have acted like we'd expect a normal person to act if they were being stoned, right? Literally, they're throwing rocks at him, and they're dropping rocks on him until he died. And I don't know about you, but I think there would have been shouts about burning in hell coming from me, not something about Father, forgive them, because that's just my nature. That's who I am, but not Steve. In the middle of dying, he had watched Jesus die and be forgiving from the cross. So as he died, he thought, "Mm, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm going to exhibit the love of Jesus. And I'm going to say, Father, forgive them. This is what I know I'm supposed to be doing, even though this really hurts a lot. And Saul is there, this bad guy who hates Christians. And later on, God calls him and I don't know that this had anything to do with it, but my question is, does the the church, at least in part, owe a little piece of the amazing ministry and the writing of the Apostle Paul to a guy named Stephen who clothed himself with love, who forgave as the Lord forgave him, even while he was being stoned to death? Listen, I guarantee you, when you pray for those who persecute you, when you pray for that other party, the people in the other party, or whatever the other discussion is, when you pray for those who demonstrate even hatred towards you, it will begin to change your attitude and you'll actually be a happier and healthier person no matter what they do. And most importantly, at some point, it gives us the right to be able to share the hope that we have with them, to let our light shine that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. So I promise you, it's good advice either way. So let's pray. And let me ask you, 
What is God saying to you today? Who is the opponent, the, the, the party, the person, the opposition that you could show some unconditional love to? We're gonna give you some time to discuss that at the end of the service if you're gathered with some other people. Who do you need to show unconditional love to? Because you can disagree politically, socially, religiously, and still love unconditionally. Or maybe God is speaking to you about how much you need his grace and forgiveness in your life. Jesus gave himself for us while we were still sinners. And if you've never responded to that act of unconditional love for you, why not respond to him by saying, you know what, Jesus, I can't give grace if I haven't accepted it. So I'm going to accept it. I want you to be my leader. I want you to be my Lord. I need your salvation. And if you want to do that today, we've got a screen right here. I said yes to 708-295-3729. We had a lot of great conversations with people after last weekend. Whatever's going on, just just text that in, and we will encourage you with some next steps, and we will help you as you go. Let's pray together. Father, who is it in that other camp that's making me so mad right now that I need to pray for? Because right now, I'm going to pray for them. Even if they're persecuting me, I'm going to pray for them. And if they've offended me, I'm going to forgive them. If I call myself your follower, that's the example that I follow. And Lord, if there are people that need to say yes to you today, maybe for the first time, let them open up their hearts and say, you know what? I need grace. We all need to give it more. But I know I need to accept it first. I need love. Jesus, I want you in my life. Thank you. Lord, we pray for our nation. Pray for our church. We pray that a supernatural revival of love will sweep this land. Let it start with me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I've been a Christian for a while now, and there's one thing I know to be true. Jesus never lets me down. I hope our time together has helped you get to know him a little bit better. And if you've got anything swirling around in your brain that you'd like to talk through, or you want help taking your next step toward God, uh, feel free to email me at online at parkviewchurch.com. I would love to help you with those things. And one thing we'd like to do as a church to remember what Jesus means to us is to take communion together. If you want to join us, we'll be posting a short communion service to our Parkview online Facebook group and to parkviewchurch.com communion. We would love for you to check it out and participate with us. Uh, for me, it's just nice to have some guidance when it comes to doing these kinds of things. So that's what we're doing for you. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Parkview On The Go. As you go about your day, take some time to think through the question Pastor Tim posed to us. Who is the one person who thinks differently from you that you need to show unconditional love to. See you next time. Peace.